Hello and welcome to the N17 podcast. My name is Cosmo. Tonight I'm joined by Eddie. Hello. We got Jed. Yo. And we got Glenn after the revelation of hearing that you, he watches Spurs at home in his jeans. Glenn. Relax yeah. in jeans. That's what I heard. <coughs> Can to explain? I no. <laughs> Glenn's not. Come. Glenn's. Glenn's the, an unserious candidate. We've been saying this for, for 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 uh, for various people, but Glenn's moving like an unserious candidate. <laughs> the, only people, the only fans who can watch their matches in jeans are Man City fans, bro. They ain't got nothing to stress about, bro. They're so relaxed. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> they can wear a suit, bro. Must <laughs> <laughs> wear a free piece to watch Man City Burnley. That's how. That's that's how comfy they are now. Talking of some of their attire, Pep's Pep's jacket that was rogue. That was rogue. Oh, that printed badge on the back. back. Yeah, that was, that was rogue. I have to say. But we're recording straight after the Fulham game. Um, th- that second half was was a horrible watch, man. I thought that was that was a horrible watch. Um, but let's let's go back to the start. Let's go to the lineup. Um, I want I want to come to Jed first on it actually. Because it was the debut of the of the four four main attacking players in the form of Bale, Delhi, Son, and Kane. Sometimes referred to as Shag, sometimes referred to <laughs> as a Skag. Um, <laughs> we got another pod to thank for that, though. I, I got to say, um, but uh, Jed, what, what what did you make of that when you saw that? Yeah, um, I was excited. To be fair, I think it's it's the. It's the front four that all Spurs fans have been wanting to see um, for a while now. Uh, and to top it off, we had the pivot of Ndombele and Hybier there. But the further the further back she kept getting, it got a bit it got a bit more nuts. Um, and I mean, I guess I guess it's for for the balance. I think if you added uh, Aurier and Regulon to that side, then it probably would have bit been a bit unbalanced. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's really noticeable when Davis and Doherty both start because my word, especially Doherty today, I thought was he's he's just really really average man. Um, so so wasteful with the ball, so wasteful in the final third. Um, he just look, he just looks like he's panicking every time he got he's got it. But um, yeah, sorry that was a bit negative. Yeah, happy to see see that front four playing, although it didn't quite click. Um, but listen, it's the first time they play together, so hopefully, the more games they get together, they uh, they start to figure things out. Is it is it something you would persist with? Do you think? Do you think that's worth persisting with? Uh, um, I think maybe maybe try it again in the Europa League. Um, see if they can get some sort of combinations going in that, and then maybe not every single game. I guess it's different different games, different scenarios, really. Depends who you're playing against. Some games you'll need a Lucas. Some games you'll need a Lamella. Um, but we've got some decent fixtures coming up. So maybe we could try again. If it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. But there's no harm in trying it again. I just thought, and I'd be interested to get the other guys' thoughts on this because, you know, obviously I, I'm in the struggle at the moment. I'm just watching on basically every game on the Rock Goals. Uh, Dad's locked yeah. off the... Yeah, all, all, all subscriptions. <laughs> so yes. I'm watching games at least five minutes behind everyone else, which means I have to completely lock off all Spurs chats. Like I feel like I'm back in like 2006. Like I'm I'm just watching these. Ga- it's kind of nice in a way. I'm like I'm literally don't touch my mobile phone for like the whole. See, I'm even calling it a mobile phone. Who calls it a mobile phone in 2020, 2021? Don't even know what year it is. You're tapped, right? But, <laughs> but um. What I made of the game, and yeah, I'd be interested to see what you guys thought, was that I, I thought from the start we just looked like we didn't con- we had no con- control in the midfields. I think we were lacking, we were sort of lacking at eight because I, I feel like Hoybier is naturally plays as like a CDM for us, and Dombele is sort of an eight, but I feel like he he sort we sort of just needed someone else there to kind of make it a bit more balanced because I felt like the ball wasn't sticking in the midfield. It was a lot of times just being hacked out of the defence. Um, and I feel like when we did get into the into the final third, we were dangerous because we had a lot of good players there. But I feel like there was a big disconnect between the defence and the attack. I wonder what you guys made of that. Yeah, I would agree. Um, 
But the reason is not because we had the incorrect players in the midfield. The reason why I think it feels like we need an extra person in there is because when you play a midfield three of Ndombele, um, Hoybier and Sissoko, they play like a midfield three. When you're playing with Ali, it's almost like you're playing a 4-4-2 because Ali is not an attacking midfielder in, in the sense that he creates from the, the number 10 position. Ali is an attacking midfielder in the sense that he's a lot closer to Kane as a centre-forward. And so, in fact, Ali's making runs beyond Kane. And Dombele rarely did that in terms of getting beyond Kane. He's usually the one feeding it into the attacking two of, of Son and Kane previously in the season. So when you have Ali in there, you're going to miss a little bit. You're going to miss that body in that number 10 position. And that's probably where we lost control in terms of dominating the ball in the midfield. Even though they only had um, like two holding midfielders, Loftus-Cheek was dropping into the midfield a lot, which is obviously his position. So that's why it felt at times that we were a bit outnumbered in there. Um, but you're gonna that, that's that's going to happen um, with Ali. Like when Ali flourished, um, we were playing a back three. Um, in that in that season where Ali was just genuinely terrific, we we're playing a back three. But but <clears throat> in reality, when we when when we when we were pressing the ball. Dyer could come out of that back three and and help push that midfield on. So Ericsson would then would then move out of that two with Dembele or Wanyama, whoever was played in that midfield. So you do lose that like midfield presence in number ten, but I think it makes up for it because he's making attacking runs and we look a lot more dangerous when it gets to the final third of the pitch. Yeah, I I agree with that, Eddie, but I kind of think that we didn't have much control in the like middle of the field because of the way that Fulham was play- were playing in a way. They like packed out the midfield, like played their defence really high. They pushed their wing backs on a little bit and then their wingers sort of like were inside. So that middle of the park had Loftus Cheek, their striker who was dropping in as well, their two centre midfielders and kind of their two wingers. That's six of their players that are packing out like that cent- central area where we were trying to create the start of our attacks from. And then, we, and then we sort of transferred that to our wing-backs. And then that didn't work because our wing-backs were terrible today. And then we kind of beat the midfield a couple of times where Bale uh, played the ball into uh, Ali. And then we sort of looked like we were beating the midfield sort of press, like block thing that they had in the centre of midfield. Um, but when we beat that that midfield block, we looked actually like we had a lot of space, um, which I, th- I think was kind of as a result of kind of figuring out their tactics and what they were doing and then countering that by playing Bale a bit further backwards and then Ali a bit further forwards. Yeah, that, that's mm. what I saw in the first half. Did any of the front four kind of like stand out uh, for you? I thought Son was decent. He found a bail with with a few crosses in the first half, at least. I thought Ali was really good, to be honest. I thought Ali Ali in the second part of the first half and parts of the second half, even where he he was pressing really, really, really strongly. It's the most aggressive. I've seen Ali run all, all season. Yeah, very and, and aggressive. I when he picked up the ball, he he was picking up good areas as well. Found a few good crosses, crossed one to Son, um, played a few out wide to Son, played a few out wide to Bale, sort of just like keeping the move going, which is what we want from Ali. He sort of was that in-between man from the midfield defence to the front three that we were playing. To be fair to to Ali and um, kind of like when I was watching that game, I was thinking to myself, I haven't actually seen him do a single, (laughs) I haven't seen him do a single flick in, in, in that game. And I was thinking, I don't know whether that's just because he wasn't in a position to do so. But I think for, for me in that game, he looked a lot more responsible on the ball. Um, he looked like, he looked like he was willing to take risks as any attacker does, but like not in, not in dangerous positions where if we lost the ball, then um, they would, you know, they'd be um, breaking on us. So I think, you know, for now, these are the type, types of performances that Ali needs to put in aggressive, working hard, and then showing a bit of quality, which he did. And I think 
he was just very unlucky that the goal wasn't given as a, as a goal because that would have been a major boost for him. But I think he just, yeah, I think he played really well. I don't compared to Son, Kane, and Bale. I think definitely probably the the, the best out of the four. It's a shame he didn't get a goal, but I got to say, to have that off target, he did get quite lucky that uh, Fulham yeah. player actually put that in. Because I can't even imagine Jose's reaction if he yeah. missed that through. I mean, essentially, it was a bit of a flick, right? It was, yeah. I guess, he, yeah. He should have hit it with, um, with the inside. inside. Yeah, yeah, he should have just come onto it. And then he could have got a bit more power on it. But that's that's just how that he is, isn't it? He likes, he likes, to, he likes to finish with style. He, he loves to do a little flick. So, yeah, it was, he, he did get lucky with it. Right, let's talk a little bit about the the second half. Um, what what went wrong for you guys? Because I I was I was making dinner, so I missed maybe the first five ten minutes properly. Like I I, I was keeping an eye on it, but I just came back and it just, we were just pinned in. It just felt like we were pinned in, couldn't get out. So what went wrong? I don't know if you man want to go ahead, but I I definitely see. Um, it being part of the pattern of play that we've had um, this season where we've either played the first half really well or the second half really well, but I haven't seen us put in a complete performance for 90 minutes for a very long time. Um, And I think it was just, it was just that again. I just think it was a situation where we played really well the first half. We pressed hard. We got our goal and then, we seem to just drop off a little bit. And I think it's easy. In my opinion, initially, I was thinking this must be a coached thing, like to drop off 10 feet, 15 feet. But the more I see it, I definitely think it's just a case of comfort. Like we've definitely, you know, we've definitely been coached to be defensively better, whether or not we are is something else. But we've definitely been coached in defensive shape. So when we've got our goal, it seems that the players are more comfortable uh, getting into a defensive shape rather than going and chasing for a second or a third and potentially conceding one on, uh, on, on the back of, a, of an attack. And I think that's just what we saw. We just couldn't get out. And I think even when we cleared the ball, um, we weren't getting up the pitch. If you look at teams like City, if you look at teams like even, even Chelsea, definitely Liverpool, when they get the ball out of the box... They're racing out of their they're racing out of their box. They're trying to squeeze the the opposition as much as they can towards the centre circle. Because then those players that were that were goal hanging or still in, in their heart, they're gonna be offside if the if the defense um try and play it over the top. So I just think it's a comfort thing. They don't not, they don't seem confident enough to to be aggressive and get a second goal and confident enough in that at one nil they're not gonna concede a goal when they're attacking. That's what I've seen because it's been too consistent and I don't think it's a coaching thing. Mourinho said as much and even the players have come out and said that as well. Yeah, I, th- I think it was quite clear look, that when Lamella came on um, and when Ali came off and Bale came off that there just wasn't that same energy that we had in the first half with the high press. In the first half, we really sort of pressed them high, made them make mistakes at the back and when Lamella came on, it was quite apparent that Ali hadn't been doing that for the the part of the second half that he was on and and also kind of Lucas and Bale same thing but that's kind of what you expect from Bale anyway because he doesn't do as much pressing naturally um I thought Lamella when he came on was unbelievable mm. um changed the pattern of play I think <clears throat> I think that we just didn't really control the ball when 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 we were clearing it or when 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 we tackled them and broke down an attack. We didn't. We didn't hold on to the ball for long enough. Uh, the ball wasn't sticking with Kane or Son or Bale or Ali. Um, we kind of just cleared it and then let them come back at us, which led to us going deeper and deeper. Lamella had one of those like typical Eric Lamella moments, which for me just like sums up his Spurs career, where you think he's got no chance of doing anything, and he's just. Someone got, gets past one player, yeah, and then ball rolls it past another, and you're like, "Oh, go on, go on, go on!" Like you think he's gonna do it, and then he'll just find a Fulham shirt. Like, yeah, like <laughs> he gets so close, and then doesn't quite convert. It's yeah. it's uh it's frustrating, but I think he was he was really good. 
in those mm-hmm. positions, though, I don't think it's Lamella's fault that the ball doesn't end up in the net. Like someone should be in that position. But like, no. like he's it, the thing is, but but the thing is, like us, no one's imagining that he's going to get to the highlight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can't <laughs> so read no one's it. Gambling. Yeah, no I one's know. gambling. <laughs> I, I feel like um, I feel like Lucas is a little bit like that as well, where um, you no one knows what he's doing. I <laughs> I was going to use that little trope, but even he doesn't know what he's doing. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, he definitely think... knows what he's doing. Because he's doing the same thing every time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, Yeah, I I do feel like we do have a little bit of a like an element of of randomness, which we sometimes rely on with our attacks. Which um, I think we have kind of missed someone like a like a sort of like maestro like Christian Eriksen for a while in terms of someone who can get the ball and is actually controlled in picking out attackers. Whereas I feel like since he left. We don't really have someone that does that. Someone who could potentially do that is Lo Celso. I'm looking forward to him coming back. I don't know when it's going to happen. I think some of you guys were saying maybe against Zagreb we might see him. Is Lo Celso a creative player in that sense, though? Or do you not think he is like someone who's like a ball carrier, can work in intricate areas, but I don't think he can pick a pass. He can pick a pass, but I don't think he's... He's got the ability to like uh, ping an audacious ball. I think that's a lot more mm. Dombele, but not even as much as Ericsson ever did. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, but but maybe it's the fact that if maybe he's that the key to unlocking Ndombele and Hoybier as that two. Mm. Maybe it's too much to have them as a two and then four in front of them. You need those cells as a sort of link man potentially. Um, yeah. Another another thing I want to cover, like Jed, you you touched on it uh, briefly, was Doherty and Davis, but also Sanchez. I think Sanchez had a bit of a mixed match. He he made some he made some great tackles, um, and for me, he kept doing this thing where he'd make a good tackle, and then he would just do he would forget who he was. Like at one point, he tries to do a back heel, and I was just like, that's just, that's just <laughs> that not something that Davidson Sanchez does. Yeah. Like that's vibes, man. That's vibes. <laughs> I was creepy. And that bit where he, he waits, Lookman, <laughs> literally waits him to the floor. And he's like, oh shit, what have I just done? And then he literally just lets the ball run out of play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was in his possession, man. It was under his control. <laughs> and it just rolled out. <laughs> he literally <laughs> shut down. His body just shut down. But yeah, I think, right, to be fair, um, aside from like a few like little brain farts that he had, um, I do genuinely think he was he was quite solid, and we'll go, we'll get onto the Burnley game probably a bit later. But it's a it's a it's a follow up performance from that really. Um, and we've been saying for a while now he just needs to have a, a a good partner alongside him. And I think bringing back Toby alongside him has definitely helped him. Um, he's not having to try and cover up for Eric Dyer's mistakes as much. So. Yeah, I think his form the past few games and Toby's form the past few games has been really key for us. And I think going forward now, that should be our centre back pair in um, from here on from here on out. Agreed. I've, but the one thing I forgot to mention was the the clearance for their disallowed goal was I don't know what was going on there. Yeah, and Lucas should have done better as well, I think, at his near post. The backlift on it though, to be fair. Uh, it seemed to be like stuck under his feet a little bit and it just it's one of those ones where you kind of try and dig it out from underneath you um and it's very hard to do though yeah it yeah. is it, it's really hard to do um and we we got away with that there and i know under under the law like it it should have been disallowed but if if that's given against us then we're livid and i think i think Fulham were quite unfortunate to not get given that especially for how they were playing it in that moment, um, I think they're unfortunate. Yeah, no, agreed. Go on, Eddie, you, you were going to say something? Yeah, I just going, going, um, just talking about the, the, the defence. Like Jed said at the beginning, like the further you look back, the more suspects the team looked. But, um, you know, against, against Burnley, I think we played what essentially should be our you know, starting back four for the rest of the season, barring any kind of um, barring any kind of 
rotation or injuries or just for general fatigue, like that should definitely be our starting back four. Um, and, you know, again, there's a quick turnaround. And I think we've seen over the years that for some reason, whoever it is like our managers want to rotate full backs. So under Pottery did it, under Mourinho, we seem to be doing it. Um, but obviously we do have a lot of fixtures. So we're going to have to deal with the fact that like Reguilón and Aria aren't going to start every game, which is fine. And although Doherty and, and Davies are like a, a a real step back, it's kind of a different look back four where I think if we do play that back four, I think we're going to play that front four because that back four are, a fl- to me, they, they're flat back four. But that, if you look at the makeup, it's just, it suits a, a flat back four. So, I think if um, on the weekend we when we play um, Crystal Palace, if Reguilón and, and Aria do come back into his side, which are you know which seems likely, um, then one of Lamella and Lucas will probably start in, or maybe Sissoko, but I definitely Lamella or Lucas are going to come into the side, um, just because they give that bit of extra bite, a bit of a bit more attacking, like in terms of a, a pressing attack. Um, and like a bit more of a midfield presence, especially if Lamella's playing in the middle or even Lucas, because they just they do work hard in the middle. Um, but yeah, Davies and Doherty, they're just not good enough to start. And in the summer, we definitely should be looking on to, to, looking to move both of them on, perhaps even Aria on. But definitely those two, we just need to find better um, backups. And even if it's the case where we um, get rid and then use those funds for a different position, we should do that because I think we've got some decent prospects in, 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 in you know, our youth set up and we've got Sessignon to come back. Um, if we do see him as a left back, I really don't know at this point. Um, and we've got um, a few, you, you know, we've got a few players that can play at right back if we want Aria to stay as our first choice right back. Um, but yeah, but Doherty and Davies just not good enough. And we've seen that over the last couple of games, especially Doherty. Today. Yeah, at, at the risk of uh, triggering Glenn, was was Davis actually that bad tonight? Like you guys are putting him in the same bracket as Doherty, but I feel like Do- yeah, Doherty. I mean, so, just so often in that game. I, I mean, you can see the face I'm making. Like so often in that game, I was just like, <laughs> "What?" Just ate something sour, bro. <laughs> yeah, like what are you yeah. doing? Like, and I don't even know if we can use the wing back excuse anymore because it's even when he's in positions where it should suit his strengths, such as like going forward. He's still doing stuff, which is, which is just inexplicably bad. Um, I think the reason why maybe I'm sticking up for Davis a little bit is because I distinctly remember towards the end of the game, probably in the, in added time, he put in what I thought was a huge tackle. Uh, Mm. I literally celebrated it like a goal. Um, Yeah. 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 I was doing up Hoibia on the sofa. Look what he's doing to you. <laughs> but um, that's good, my boy. Like he's not—he's not great, Davis, and he does have his mistakes. I don't know if he was that bad tonight. I—I I genuinely wouldn't put him in the same bracket as Doherty tonight because I thought Doherty was the worst player on the pitch. But I don't think Davies was that far behind. He was—he's just really poor. He just every time. Like an attacker's running at him, I'm just like, oh fuck, he, this guy's gonna get skinned. Like, all ends up like whether he's gonna get paced or he's gonna get like a trick done to him or mm. whatever. It's just, it's just worrying. Like, you don't want that as 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 your left back. When when someone runs at you, you don't want to be like, oh for fuck's sake, what's gonna happen here? Like when 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 someone does that to Regan, I'm like, that's fine because I know you can. Mm. He's got the pace to get back, but. Yeah, Davies is just worrying for my heart. I think. Your heart, Glenn. You're 24. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, to be fair, he's 24, but he's wearing jeans at home, so maybe he's 44. (laughs) (laughs) I think Davis more than anyone sums up that that uh, that phrase. He's an honest player. He's the most he's the most honest player to ever play for Spurs. (laughs) He knows his limits. He knows yeah. his limits, which I think, which I think definitely helps him because um, he he knows he knows if he gets up the pitch, he's done for. So he has to make that tackle, or he has to put in that cross, because because otherwise he ain't getting back. 
So I think maybe he knows that. And I think I think in the past, like especially Poch, they have asked him to get forwards, and I think that's worked against him. Um, whereas if 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 his primary objective is to sit in that flat back four and defend like he's gonna have fine games like today when you're not looking at him and thinking oh jesus christ do you know what i mean like because because today was what a five out of ten a six out of ten you know that's fine and we get we kept a clean sheet we do have to realize it's a third clean sheet in a row now and davies has played two of the three games so I'm not saying he's the best defender in the world, but I'm saying he is part of a, a, a flat back four that, you know, their primary function is to defend. It's not to be a creative outlet. And the game has changed so much now where fullbacks are are required to be so creative. You look at Liverpool, you even look at Chelsea, Chilwell, James. You know, uh, if you look at the top teams, a lot of their fullbacks are asked to be creative because um, attackers are now becoming, you know, the, the standard left wing and, and right wing are inverted. So it means that they're, they're drifting inside. You know, there aren't really many number 10s left in terms of pure number 10s. So fullbacks to ask to be creative. And I think Doherty and Davis, you know, they're not creative outlets. So if they know their role is to be defensive and a flat back for and allow our attacking players to play, I don't see why for at least the rest of the season, he can't be called on for that kind of football. Mm, yeah, no, I think that sums it up well. Um, we have a limited amount of time remaining on the Zoom call. I don't know if anyone has any last thoughts on Fulham before we move to the Burnley game. No, I think we just move on from that. We've got the three points. Fucking <laughs> performance, over, performance over points. <laughs> yeah, as you, as you said, Eddie. Eddie said that's his favourite type of football, by the way. So. <laughs> It's my favourite game of football this season. <laughs> he loves the sweat. He loves the sweat. Yeah, but uh, yeah, game. I love to I love to I love to worry my heart. I don't wear block enthusiast. No gamble, no future ready. No gamble, no future. <laughs> Trust me. It's, if we play like that in the final, I'll be happy. Mm. Yeah, it's just one of those well, well, we're not gonna get uh we're not gonna get a decision like that uh for us uh, in the city, to yeah. be fair. Yeah. So yeah, it's slightly I mean, asterisk. They were unlucky. That's one point to make that like that the game could have been flipped if that goal went in. Mm, I think Fulham were very, very unlucky because that is a ridiculous decision. Now don't you don't want to see it happen to anyone, like even against opposition that we're playing against. Mm, agreed. Agreed. All right, let's go to part two. Hello, welcome back to part two. Um yeah, in this period we're gonna talk about the Burnley game. Um, obviously we're a bit late to it, so we're not going to go super in depth like we did with Fulham. But I think um, the main the main takeaway from from this and the thing which has got uh, all the fans excited, and we've had a few questions about it, is Gareth Bale's form. Um, so we had we had uh, questions from James Watchop and also from Dan Mole, basically relating to what Bale's form means for the rest of the season. Is he going to cement a place in the team number one are we maybe going to think about signing him permanently number two um yeah who wants to go first on that go on Glenn. i don't mind doing that i think i think you you play bail if he's playing as he is i think you play bail as much as you can you, you you play him when you can like like jose said last week he was like when you have a player like gareth bail you play him as much as you can without pushing him to his limits. Um, and I think maybe not permanently sign him, but extend another year on the loan, for sure. See, see out his contract at Real Madrid, because apparently we have an option to extend his loan for another year until his Real Madrid contract's over. And then he's on a free. So... Mm-hmm. That could be a little nice one. Or even if they're offering him like tasks for reasonably cheap and he wants to take a little pay cut, that can happen as well. But I, I doubt he wants to do that. He's going to have to take a quarter of what he's earning at Madrid to, if we're going to sign him permanently. Um, but yeah, I agree, Glenn. I'd say take up, if there is an option, take that option up for the further year. If, if that's if he's in this... This current form that he's in, 
if he starts to tail off towards the end of the season and he's looking like the bail that we were seeing prior to this, then maybe maybe it's not worth it. But if if he's playing as he is now, it's definitely worth it. Um, it keeps it keeps an extra option in our squad as well without having to fork out a lot of money. Um, and yeah, that's so so that, yeah, that's that's basically what I would do. And then hopefully, with a year because he has he has been away from the Premier League for a long time now. It's taken him time to sort of get back up to speed with the demands of the league. Um, get back up to the to his own like peak physical state as well. So yeah, maybe maybe going into next season he'll be coming off the back of the Euros, um, which might be a good thing or a bad thing. You don't know, but he'll still be getting he'll still be getting game time over the summer. So I guess you could say that's a good good thing. Um, and then yeah, hopefully hopefully he comes into next season uh, as he as he has been so far. Well, past couple weeks or so whether it was just because of the demands of the game or whether it's pre-planned I actually thought that we um, managed his minutes quite well tonight uh, it gives him a chance of playing against Palace on the weekend um, but he did seem a bit pissed off about ta- being taken off at the time at least and then I did see him laughing along with Joe Hart on the subs bench afterwards so hopefully it's not that deep but um, yeah Bale and Delhi both seemed a little bit pissed off about getting subbed off I thought well, you know, they're fighting for minutes. They're fighting for their their inclusion in, in the first team. Look, I, um, in terms of those two in particular, it's not, I, I don't personally bail more, but it's not that like they've like played or forced their way into the, into the um, first 11. I personally think it was a mixture of us looking for something different in attack and also because they were back and fully fit and integrated into the side. Because... I think these games, the game on the weekend for Bale and today for Delhi, is like Mourinho saying, look, I've started you now. I'm starting you in the league. So it's not the Europa League, it's the league where you know we're playing similar quality of opposition every week. What are you gonna give me? Are you gonna are you gonna show me what you can do? And I think if you get taken off at sixty odd minutes, uh on on your it's kind of like an, an audition performance to stay in the side. You are going to be a little bit annoyed. Um, I do think that, you know, they're professionals and they understand if they're not giving the team what, what the team needs. And, you know, we do have other players to call upon and we definitely turned the corner when, when those two came off, not because they've been playing badly. It's just because we needed an injection of fresh legs and that's every football game. I know teams like Man City, sometimes they make one substitution or game and, that's just because, um, well, because they're machines, but um, and not, not actual human beings. But um, you know, it, it's not gonna, it's not gonna be like that for us, especially with Delhi and Bell coming back from recent injuries. Like every player wants to play ninety minutes every game. It's just, it's just not possible. And Bell knows his body. Delhi will start to learn about his body because you know he's had a, he's had a few injuries now, um, and they're gonna know their limits. But um. I'm interested. Like I'm, I'm very interested because Bale was brought in to be a difference maker this season. And although it's taken us a while to get to this point, we're coming to a crucial uh, bit in our season. And if Bale can be a difference maker at this point in the season, then even if he doesn't come back next year, it would have been worth the loan if he makes a difference now. Because, you know, it was, it was low risk. We didn't sign him on 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 a on a signing fee. It's a loan. We're paying less than half of his wages. It, it, it's, it's a calculated risk, but it's a, it's 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 a low it's a lower risk than even bringing in a, a player that's you know you're spending ten or fifteen million pounds on. So it wouldn't have been necessarily a bad thing if next season he didn't come back, but he did make a difference this season. I really want him to. Um, I really want us to extend the the loan. Obviously it. It depends what happens in terms of, like, he could just get injured for the rest of the season and maybe we wouldn't uh, renew it. I also have a bad... F- I don't know how legit this this second year of the loan thing is. Like, I've seen different things about it. I am slightly worried about Real Madrid just, like, deciding to play hardball. Um, I don't know how realistic that is as a as an option, but you never know. Um, one of the things I was going to say is how back... Do you think he is? Do you think he's back? Because it's been since City, really. 
He was he was great in that City game. Um, what do you guys think? I think maybe seventy percent. I think there's still something a bit he can give in terms of you know really committing to tackles and and getting in the way of things and perhaps running at defenders. But his game has changed, so maybe this is ninety percent and not seventy percent. But I think there still is something that he can offer if he's really stretching his body to the limits. Because I still think he's worried that if he does, then he might get injured again, which is fair enough. But yeah, I think there's still a tiny bit left he can give us. And maybe we won't see it until it's a high-pressure environment. Kind of like how we didn't see it until we were 1-0 down at West Ham. Uh, sorry, uh, two, two, is it 2-0 down at West Ham, sorry. And we when Bell came on, when he was doing things, when he was committing, when he was trying things, it's you know we were in a, in a high pressure environment, and maybe we won't see that and again like a hundred percent bail until we're in, in a high pressure environment because we were kind of cruising that first half. We weren't under too much pressure, hmm. so yeah, I don't think we've seen the best yet, but don't know what the best is because he's changed so much. Yeah, what you were saying there, Eddie, is like almost similar to. When, when we had him in our final season with us, when he when there was those moments where we really needed him and he stepped up. So I think I think you might be right there. Like when you have players of that quality, they they have the potential to drag you through these games. And I think he definitely still has that quality. Um but as you say, really we need we need to see it see it like see it happen. We need to be in those in those situations. We need to be trailing a game and see if, if he's going to drag us through it because I think if he can still do that then then you're right then he's he's he probably is back to his best hmm. and we even saw it with Madrid like like he dragged them through to uh, he, for me he's won them two Champions Leagues and, yeah. and a, Copa, a Copa del Rey by yeah. himself I was going to say this he's, he's he's the sort of player who who I don't want to be like stereo, like say what's the word a cliche, yeah, cliche. That's why I don't want to be cliche here. But he's a big game player. Giza turns up in all the big games. I, I, I'm really excited to see if he starts against Arsenal because I really think that that's the sort of game, the sort of pressure that he thrived on when he burst onto the scene for Spurs, when he was at his best for Real Madrid, etc. And I just think he plays his best football when he's under big pressure. And I hope that that Arsenal game, he can really do some bits for us. It's just good to see him back at the lane. Uh, yeah. Whatever, you know, like um, in our lifetime, I know we talked about it when you returned um, in our lifetime between us. I think he's a, out of the players we've seen, he's at least in all of our top threes. So um, to see him back and, and just to see him to, playing well like it's a genuine joy like whenever I see him do something or whether he's close or even or when he gets an assist or a goal it means just that little bit more because we never thought we would see it again Mm. and I think that's like that's special and regardless of how well he does for the rest of the season I think it was really special to see Bell back at Spurs because I just didn't think we would see that again yeah, um, I think we'll we'll come on to questions in a bit, but I think on the subject of uh, like managing Bale's minutes and, and whatnot in our upcoming games, Palace on the weekend. I was just I was just wondering how you guys are feeling going into that because they seem to be. I've, I've just I'll admit I've just looked at their uh, results now and they seem to be picking up a bit of of form coming into this match. Obviously, they they drew nil nil with United yesterday. Um, that was off the back of drawing nil nil with Fulham, and uh, they also got a win in their in their derby with Brighton. So, you know, it seems quite typical of Spurs to play against Palace just when they're getting into a bit of form. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I know that their fans were sort of turning on Hodgson a bit, but how are you feeling going into this? And would you start Bale? I think. Looking at their results on first look, it's a bit like, oh, they're coming into form. But realistically, they got like battered all over the park by Brighton. 
and mm. got a, like a last minute smashing. Two winner. missed penalties. Yeah. yeah, two missed penalties by Brighton. Brighton hit the post like three times. They had two disallowed goals or something stupid. Like it was yeah. ridiculous. Brighton like absolutely smashed the, the free kick as well. Yeah, like you said. Yeah. United were terrible yesterday against them. Yeah. Fulham are a beatable team, but at the same time, like it's, it's Fulham. They're in the relegation zone for a reason. They might turn up against us every time for some reason, but yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't think they're in that much form. I think I'm quite confident of a win. And weirdly, I wouldn't actually start Bale. No, I'd, I'd agree. I'd, I'd, I'd have him as an option to bring on. Um, maybe start Lucas or Lamella because I think they kind of mm. deserve it as well. Whenever Lamella's played, he's actually played well this year. Um, yeah, I, th- I think maybe you start Lamella in- instead. But I don't know what Mourinho thinks of Lamella at the moment because he's kind of playing him like a cam, like a weird cam. I mm. don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, his position's kind of changed, but I have always thought Lamella sort of suits that that more central position a bit more because he's never really had the pace to play on the right. Yeah, not quick. Yeah, I agree. Mm. But he has the ball rolls, though. <laughs> he has the ball rolls, but no he one really can does. read what he's doing with them. That's the that's the issue. Uh, Jed, what, what, what do you think about line-up going into that? Uh, I I actually think I would I would start him only because I think, is it, do we have Zagreb? Oh, no. Fuck, yeah, we have Palace first, don't we? Mm, yeah. Then we have Zagreb, yeah. These fixtures have gone, gone my head all over the place. Um, it is weird playing the Premier League game on a Thursday, I've got to say. And a 6pm yeah. kickoff, such a Europa League time. Yeah, um, Yeah. well, in that case, then, maybe I wouldn't start him. Yeah, I think I think Glenn's right. I think Lucas or Lamelo do this, especially Lamelo after after today's performance. I think he probably deserves to start. Um, but yeah, it's just about managing it now. It's, it's going to be, what, a game every three, four days. I think the more minutes he gets in his legs, the more he, the more minutes he's going to be able to play going going forward. Um, so yeah, as I said last week, I think he needs to be in in constant communication with Jose as well, and telling him how how he's feeling because it's 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 not not going to be the only way he gets through it, but it's definitely going to help. I think if he if he's telling Jose half not halfway through a game or whatever it is, yeah, I'm I'm feeling a bit a bit tired or I've got a little knock, then then we've got we've got to take him off because he's going to be so key to us for towards the end of the season. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe not start against Palace. I would save him for Zagreb, just because I think we should try and try and win that game and put the bed to put the tie to bed within after the first leg. Just so we can then we can then go into the into the second leg of that and then rest some players in that one because I think after that we've got Arsenal. I think we might have we have Villa, which might be a difficult game. So yeah, just 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 save try and save him for Arsenal because um, as these guys said, I think that's where he might really come into his own. Yeah, I wouldn't want to... A, I wouldn't want to, like Jed was saying, wouldn't want to stretch Bale and then potentially have him out for a couple of weeks. Um, And also, I think the profile of the game, low block, um, which Palace will invariably be, um, potentially... I mean, potentially could be good for Bale, but I think someone like Lamella... Or Lucas with you know just something that there's a bit of trickery about their game, a bit of unpredictability. I think that that suits kind of a low block because at any point they can do something special, um, even if it's not often. Um, they do have it in them to to do something that kind of can bamboozle the defense, and I think that might be suited uh, to it. And Palace are an aggressive team, just in terms of physicality, and I think. You know that's not the type of game that you want Bell to be playing because he just doesn't look like he's up for a tackle as much as Lucas or Lamella, who love to get stuck in, and not even just Lamella. Like Lucas does love to get stuck in. He likes to get in the thick of it. He'll, he'll get he'll get stuck in. He'll, he'll he'll try and win the ball. 
he's not afraid to drive at the defenders and, and obviously we know Lamella. Lamella's aggressive, elbows everywhere. Um he'll he'll get he'll get stuck in. So I think that they suit the game more. And I think Bell will have a part to play, even if we're winning the game, um, just so that he can keep momentum going. Um but yeah, I'd either save him for Zagreb or definitely save him for for Arsenal. Right. A couple questions we got. I got to say thanks for everyone for sending in your your questions. Some some really good ones in here. Um, yeah, we got we got one from Gavin, which I think was really good. Gavin Jenkins about uh, Oliver Skip ne- and what to do with him next season. Jed, I know you've been raving about him. I know Norwich fans have been raving about him, saying he's got a real shout for a Championship Player of the Season. Um, mm-hmm. And I think. My cousin's a Bournemouth fan. I haven't actually looked at the championship table, but he's telling me that Norwich are running away with it at the top. Mm. So it looks like they're gonna—they're almost guaranteed to come up. Um, and it's an interesting one because I do think we are short of a of a, someone to rotate with Hoybier, and that is sort of Skip's uh, position. Um, and and Gavin asks, should we loan him again to Norwich next season or keep him? I guess as a rotation option. It's, it's a tricky one. I, I wonder what you think of it, Jed. I mean, it, I guess it, it all depends on how we're going to use him. I think he, he needs, after this season especially, because at Norwich, he's he's been playing every single game and at a high standard as well. If you think if you think about Norwich, the way Norwich play, um, they're, quite a, they're quite a high-intensity team. They, they, I think they press quite... They press quite a lot. Um, they do a lot of running. So for him to be getting 90 minutes constantly week in, week out, um, it, it just shows how how high level he's performing at. So for us, I wouldn't want to bring him back and then have him sitting on the bench because it seems like Hoybier is a really key player for us. And I'm not sh- and I'm not sure that Jose is gonna be willing to drop Hoybier for Skip. And I'm I'm not sure how many minutes Skip would actually get, but at the same time, it would be beneficial for us to be able to rest Hoiber because as we've seen this season, when when we haven't been able to, his performances have sort of fell off a bit. So I I can see a case for loaning him back to Norwich for for the season and getting a full Premier League season under his belt, but at the same time, I think it could be beneficial for us too if he stays here. I'm, I'm really torn on it because I think I think he's I think he's a really good player and for me I think he could really push Hoybier and actually maybe take his place. Um I think he's I think he's got a little bit more about him. I think he's a better ball carrier than Hoybier. I think he's probably a bit of a better passer than Hoybier too. Um but it's just whether it's just whether we're willing to give him the minutes. Do you think there might be a case where we might switch uh back to like a four three three? Um because we did mention it like not having control of the midfield. If you've got Hoybier, um, Skip on form and, and Dombele in, in the middle, then I suppose you would have some control of the midfield. Do you reckon that there could be a case for that? Very solid, isn't it? Yeah, I was going to say this, that he could maybe free up a space where we could maybe move on someone like Sissoko. I think oh, I think us, us four, especially... Uh, of the consensus that Winks is going to be moving on in the summer. I don't think he's really in the conversation to be a Spurs like key player. So I, th- I think that A, he could take where Winks has had a, quite a big role in Europa, um, in Carling Cups, in FA Cups, etc. I think that Skip will get his minutes there, especially if we get into Europe. I think he'll definitely get minutes. Um, but also I think that Sissoko... As much as he's like a Spurs legend now, like he's sort of, I don't know, he's, he's a weird one because he, he's not really... Best header of all time. Very light player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he's, a, he's a very light player. He has player scored the best Spurs. header of all time to be fair, then. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> a fact. He's a, he's a very light player at Spurs, but I'm, I'm unsure whether bringing Skip back would be a chance to maybe like move him on and then free up a like a... Not non-homegrown player place for for a new signing, a la Sabitz or someone someone along them lines, or or a new right back or someone. I don't know. That's very very. Um, that's actually a very good point. Um, 
thinking about whether you can free up a non-homegrown player point because for me, whenever I've thought of Wink, Sissoko, Sissoko, um, Skip coming back into the Tottenham fold, it's in, in place of Winks, but then we're not freeing up any homegrown player spots. We're just swapping out one homegrown for another homegrown. And where in terms of footballing terms, we've definitely upgraded the player in terms of bolstering our squads uh, with outside talent. With, 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 we haven't made any gains. And, and I think this summer has to be a decisive summer where we move players on. Like we, mm. we cannot afford to, to keep holding on to dead weight. Uh, we've seen how like teams like Liverpool, um, not sorry, not Liverpool, Arsenal, um, well, most teams, like when, when teams are hanging on to, to dead weight players, it really, really drags them down because you're paying the wages for them. They're not playing well or when they do, or, or they're not playing at all. And they're and, and we're not going to offer them a new contract. If you're looking at the if you're looking at the players that we have now, Sissoko, we're not going to offer a new contract. Aurier, is are we going to offer him a new contract? I'm not sure. Um, you know, Lamella and Lucas, do we offer them new contracts? I'm not sure. Like it really is just a case of they're not. I don't, and I'm not saying Lamella and Lucas are dead weight, but I'm talking about positions where we can make a pro, if we can make a profit on these players and improve on them. Um, then we should be doing that instead of running them into the ground and potentially losing them for pennies. We've actually got um, a few questions on that. Uh, one from Glenn's brother, actually, Callum Middleton, saying, who should we sell in the summer? And then we got a, a couple of, I think it's from, is it from your brother as well, who should we sign? Um, yeah, like, what do we think? For me, I think Winks... I just I've got to the point where I used to not I, I used to really not mind him like when it, say he played just be like all right Winks is playing today now he has become like a real scapegoat for me like I, I, I don't often yeah I don't often have scapegoats but like he's like the one guy who when I'm watching on the TV I'll just direct all my ire towards him like can't stand him that the fact I think to be fair it's not his idea I think um, Mourinho's told him to do it but. Those long shots he takes on drive me <laughs> mental. They with the side me foot. So, with the, the side, side foot. foot from like 30 <laughs> yards. How are you going to score with, with the side of your foot from 30 yards? <laughs> the side piece. <laughs> They're you know what? I 100% agree. I didn't realise that that was bothering me as much as it until, yeah. you, until you mentioned it. But yeah, when he does that, it bores my blood. I think I've dashed my remote a few times. Like, off the result of that, he so scored, I agree. He from uh, a misplaced long long ball, and yeah. now he started now up he some think... brand new. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, acting different. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you walking different? Why are you talking different? Um, <laughs> but in terms of who we should sell, I think, I think, as Eddie said, we've got we really do have to be decisive and have quite a big clear out this summer. Um. I think Gazaniga, uh, I've said to you guys before, I've, I I really think we should sell both Aurier and Doherty if it means we could get someone like Hakimi in. Um, I think we could probably get about 20, 25 million for both of those. And then obviously it's just making up the rest of the money, which by the sounds of it, Inter are going to be in a bit of a sticky situation and might have to sell. Um, so we could sort of capitalise on that, but I doubt we will. Um Eric Dyer, I think, should probably be moved on. Um, Davis, maybe. I mean, that's that's already like the back four, and I've, I've gone through what five, six players. So, like, if, if I'm realistic, but I think over the next season or eighteen months, like, we should be looking to get all of these players out. Um, as you said, Winks, Sissoko, maybe Sissoko is still useful. We can still use Sissoko for the next, even next season. I think he could still be a decent squad player. But beyond that, I think we should be looking to move him on. Um, and then you've got like Lamella and Lucas. And I, I, I really do rate Lamella as a squad player. Coming off the bench, I think he offers us a lot. I think he's a, he's a really good player to rotate in for the European games and the domestic cup games. Um, but his contract is expiring at the end of next season. And to be honest, can you see us offering them a new one? No, I don't think so. So I think you've got to try and get some money back from him while you can. Lucas, again, I think he's 
I don't know. Actually, I'm not sure when his contract expires, but again, I think if you could, if you could get a bit of money for him, I think you do that, and then you you do something sensible like get Memphis to pie on a free, whose contract's expiring at the end at the end of the season. It's just things like that where, like in a pandemic, and with us having to pay off the stadium, still we're not going to have much money. So, like, we need to be a bit clever with our signings. Um. And we need to try and make as much money as, as we can off of our deadwood and try and act, act smartly with the players we bring in. Even with Sissoko, like, just going back to what Glenn said a few minutes ago now, like, in terms of him being a legend, obviously he's not really a legend for his footballing <laughs> ability, but I think in terms of uh, human spirit, like, the fact <laughs> that he was just so bad. Like, I remember having a, a conversation with one of my mates at uni um, he actually went to a different uni to me and he was like proper keen into the into the first team football like and they were training like they were professionals and stuff and I remember saying to him Musa Sissoko if he came to an open trial I swear to you he would not get into your first team like well, he was playing like, that right midfield yeah like I didn't even think he, I thought there was something wrong with him like in terms <laughs> of like do you remember how he used to run? Like he, 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 I've said this before on the pod, I'm sure his, his knees were like set as if they couldn't bend. Like they were just, just this like hard cartilage. Like it just. Like Zachariah from Grandma. Yeah, he didn't even, yeah, like he had these tube legs. He had these tube legs. He just couldn't even run properly. No which, knees, bro. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and then to see him turn it around and become like a, a like a solid player, at least, um, was just amazing to see it just made me love him another thing which i love about him is it's a simple pleasure it's just just his face just the guy just he just he has this blank expression at all times you you, can, you are eulogizing about musa you can project any emotion onto musa soko's face and it will make sense and apart from apart from when he's on a run and he's getting nearer to the goal I, I swear you'll never see terror like it on someone's face. He just looks... <laughs> and with every yard he gets closer to the goal, it looks more and more terrified. And that's I just love him, honestly. I think when he leaves, I'll, I'll go and do like a little mural at the stadium. Like I'll, I'll put a Sissoko 17 shirt and like some roses down or something because I love the guy, honestly. I finally come that's, clean about it. All the Spurs that, that, can attack that, me now. That is definitely an opinion. Yeah, that's all I can say about no, that. What, 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 the pod's not standing by that. <laughs> now, you know what? are my own. Football, football, football is football, isn't it? Some people, some people love Doherty. So I'll leave it at that. Who's that? Who's that then? <laughs> <laughs> it's not me. I know, no one say that, so it must be you. <laughs> oh, listen, 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 listen. I think... In terms of selling players, we roughly have the same kind of players that we want to get rid of. In terms of signing players, um, I think that's where it becomes more interesting. We just need to figure out what positions are most important. For me, is right back, centre back and striker. Mm. And um, we need to be clever about our signings and we need to recruit well in those positions this summer, I think. Or even over the, the over the summer and the January transfer, we need to be really, really good in our in our recruitment in those positions. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. I think we're literally about to run out of time on the Zoom. Um, we've got one more question actually, which we don't have time to do now, but we can just quickly come back to it. So let's go to a mm-hmm. quick break. Welcome back to part three. Um, we ju- we're just going to finish on this question, which is: Would finishing fifth and winning the League Cup be a successful season? That's from Dan Neil. Um, I think I think it's all about expectation because if you said that to us when we were top of the table in like November December, we would just be like disgusted. But I think considering where it got to with that Brighton game, I think it would be enough at least to justify keeping Mourinho. Um. But it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a great season by any means. I don't think. What do you guys reckon? I think um, coming out of last season, we thought that was the right off season, where you know Mourinho came in, we were fourteenth when Mourinho came in, 
and he dragged us, you know, by hook or by crook up to um, a Europa League spot. And you know, that's a, one of those one of those um, league league campaigns where you just think, you know, it's a write off. You know, we we played well, and on to next season. Have a pre season. Let's see what happens. And um, yeah, just kind of looking at it from that aspect, the season has been a disappointment because we've had a whole season and it, we've just been so inconsistent. And obviously, Corona has a lot to do with that. You know, in, inconsistencies r- rifled through pretty much every team apart from Man City, even though they started poorly. Um, so, yeah, like you said, in November, we'd have said this that would be a disappointing end to the season. But if you look at where we fell off, yeah, fifth, which is Europa League sport, a League Cup win. Um, yeah, I would I would take that and, and we move on, to be honest. Would you guys say, is, is that par or is that better than par? It's oh. better than par now. I'll put it that way. Yeah, around par, probably a little bit better. Um, and I think if... Yeah, I think I think the most important thing is is qualifying for Europe. Um, I think a season out of Europe will be a bit disastrous. Um, and in terms of the League Cup, I think going into a final where I don't think anyone's going to give us any sort of chance whatsoever. If if we then go on and beat probably one of the best, I, I don't know if you can say maybe it is one of the best Premier League sides you've ever seen. If if we go on to then beat that side in in the League Cup final, like that's that's incredible. Um, so yeah, I, I would I would be happy with it because as you say, from where we were, it about a month ago or so or six weeks ago, it felt like the season was a write off already. So yeah, for me, I would I would consider it consider it relative relative success. Um, obviously, we all had big aspirations for the beginning of the season, but you. you you kind of got got to take what you're given at this stage. I think it's a very it feels very defeatist in that sense yeah, because yeah. because you know we showed that just with a bit of consistency and a bit of quality, you mm. you know you're right up there. And what City have done is nothing short of incredible, of course, in terms yeah. of winning 21 or 22 games on the bounce. Like that's unheard of, pretty much. Especially in our lifetime, anyways. Um, I know Johan Cruyff's um, um, team did it many, many years ago. Um, but in terms of yeah, in terms of the way football has become so competitive now, especially at the top level, for City to have won that many games and to be that consistent is unheard of. But like I said, it just shows that maybe we couldn't have won the league, but we could have comfortably been in the top four if we just showed some consistency. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, look we at, just haven't look done. United and Leicester, they got so much of a lead on us. I don't think they're that much better than us, um, player for player. But they were consistent and we weren't. Yeah, like, they went our, on our form in the league is, is genuinely appalling. Like they said, <laughs> yeah. um they said like our game against the Burnley was our first win uh, one win in away from out, home. out oh. of uh from six, and I feel like the oh, other Jesus. five were losses. I don't know yeah. if that's yeah, like the, that's last terrible. Time we kept a clean sheet. Was it away from home? Was again Marine. Marine. God. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> Joe Hart nearly threw one into his own net in that as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, I think I think a Carlin Cup win. Is okay, you're loving Carly. You're loving Carly. It's had about 10 name changes since then. <laughs> it's, it's the Carly Cup. It always will be the Carly Cup. The Carly Cup. I've got to support Glenn on this. It's likely yeah. still the Carly Cup to me. Thank you. I sometimes I call the it the Capital One Cup. Still. Mm, it's still that's the Carly. That's when we last got to the final. Here's what it is. I think I think getting into Europe is probably the main the main aim. But then also we have to win a trophy. Otherwise, if we just get Europa, like finish sixth or seventh, get Europa. And that would be quite depressing. That's, yeah. that's, and then lose to City and then get knocked out by Dinamo Zagreb or whatever. That that would be literally like nightmare season. Yeah. I think just breaking that, that trophy drought as well. Yeah. 
I think regardless of what cup it, it is, it will be considered success because we haven't done it for what, 13, what is it, 12, 13 years now. So I think if if we do that, like, I think anyone anyone will consider it a success. You know what's going to happen, though. They're just going to say, ah, oh, it was only Carabao Cup. Mickey Mouse Carabao Cup or whatever. Yeah, they're just going to be like, one Carabao Cup in 30 years. But no, I agree. I agree, um, Jed. We do need we do yeah. need to get our far back. But Europa, mm-hmm. like, if we could, yeah, if we could win the Europa, I think that would be such a sick season, even if it was just Europa. But Europa and Carabao would be crazy. Yeah, because Actually, Europa is champion as well, so... Would uh, I'm gonna ask uh, my own question here? Would Jose go down as a Spurs legend if he won the Carabao and Europa? Well, yeah. he has yeah. to, right? Ooh, yeah, 100%. Well, if he won the fucking Carabao, he'd be a fucking legend. <laughs> well, do you count? Uh, yeah, we do, I mean, to be fair, we do have to deep it. One day, Ramos, one day, Ramos has been our most successful manager in about 30 years. <laughs> So let's let's be let's be real here. In terms of silverware, one day Ramos, yes, that Don is one of our most successful managers in like 30, 40 years. So if Mourinho won both, bruv, he's he's freedom you know of the lane. We 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 should probably name a stand after him. Monday was screaming who's Bill Nicholson. Trust me, <laughs> that's what I was thinking. I was thinking, oh, it's, come outside. It's, Joe, it's, it's Bill Nicholson, and then it's Jose. <laughs> no, no, realistically, it is. That's the thing, and it's not even a joke because that is that is how it is. But if he came second, he would still be, probably be a legend because it's it's like only Potch has done that since fuck knows when. I don't know. Yeah, true. So like, that would be yeah. hilarious. The bar, be the, bar, hilarious. the bar is on the floor. <laughs> wow <laughs> on the floor bruv the bar is in hell <laughs> oh my god yeah it's got to end it's got to end but um yeah I think I think that's a good place to, to end it to round it off but um yeah if you made it this far uh follow us on Twitter Instagram and Facebook at N17pod to be notified for our next release and thank you for listening ciao Bye.